Hello and welcome to The Voice of Business, the Gwinnett Chambers online radio show and podcast. I'm J.D. Mealer, Senior Vice President of Commercial Banking at Regions Bank. Regions Bank was proud to be the presenting sponsor of the 2021 Gwinnett Chamber Small Business Awards. And on this special episode, we're going to meet some of those 2021 Small Business Award winners. Joining us today in the Business Radio X studio are Jonathan Holmes with Mighty 8th Media, Anthony Chin with Lighthouse Financial Network, and Maureen Mo Cornoa with Home of Hope Children's Shelter. How bad did I mess that up, Mo? You did great. Did I? Yeah, you did. Close enough? It's Maureen Cornoa at Home of Hope at Gwinnett Children's Shelter. Perfect. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you for that, uh, for the help there. We're going to start and go sort of, you can't see on the podcast, we're going to go around the table. And uh, I'm going to start with our first um, interview with Jonathan Holmes, who won the Culture Creator Award uh, for Mighty 8th Media. So, Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thanks you for having here. me. Oh, it's great to have you. Thank you for what you do for our community. I've been, uh, I've, I've walked by your, your studio, your shop, your, your place of business there in downtown Buford several times, and it always catches my attention. The lobby's really cool. You got some neat stuff going on, so uh, you should come by for a visit. I I, I will. Uh, thank you for that invite. But how about a virtual visit right now? Tell us about Mighty Eighth. So we're a marketing creative agency. We act as an outsourced marketing department for a company. We do individual marketing campaigns for companies. Um, we're not really concerned about an individual product, but warm with the people we work with and really help them grow their business based on their own in individual needs. Very cool. So you go through a, a process of identifying who they want to reach and how they want to reach Correct. them, and then you create all that for them. So that does that allow, I, I guess, then the business owner to focus on what they do best and allow you to do what you do best? Correct. A lot of times people will know what they want to do, but nine times out of the ten, we'll need to kind of sit down with them and make the best plans for them. And a lot of times there's a structure we need to put in place to really try to tell their story, but also – one thing we really like to focus on is really their authenticity mm-hmm. and really help them meet um, who they are and also kind of help them grow specifically. And so we really try to craft their message based on who they really are and also their employees and how they want to engage with their customers. And then from there, we put a plan together based on that, and it, it, it executes over a period of a couple of years for growth. Wow. I wonder how many uh, clients learn uh, a lot about themselves through your process. They do a lot. It's yeah. funny because we'll do interviews that are basically their testimony about the company, and then they'll find out through this process kind of more about themselves or more about the employees, and they'll kind of really peel back the layers. And a lot of people think that from a competitive standpoint, they have to act like a certain way. We're actually where we peel it back and actually get them to really be who they are and really genuine, and then actually open up the heart of the business. And from there, then you build connectivity with the clients and the customers. And then the tools we use are your current technology, your traditional media avenues. But basically, it's that we're really telling the story over many platforms. I wonder how that's changed through the years where it used to it used to feel like uh, marketing was was the idea of sort of painting a picture of an entity or a company to meet a certain narrative that may not have been who they originally were, but what I hear Mighty Eight does really well is pull out the authenticity, as you said, Correct. of who those companies are. They get better in the process by knowing who they are in the eyes of their customer, and you help elaborate on Correct. that. Correct. If you think back back in the day where you think about Madison Avenue, um, back in the 50s and 60s, it was basically TV, billboard, and radio as far as how people communicated. Now, 
it, you think about your marketing and think about your business is 24 it's open 24 7 based on where mm. you are digitally and in this process is that you have the ability to reach people on a regular basis multiple avenues oh yeah whether it's web whether it's video whether it's social media and so you're constantly have an opportunity to engage with your business engage your business with the customer but also you want to make sure it's the right way when you do it yeah constantly updated too right, i mean right. i mean things change so rapidly if you got an outdated Correct. message then right. uh, you're you're behind right so your company mighty eighth media uh won the culture creator award what did that mean to you and your team so one of the things when my business partner and i started Monday eighth bradley sherwood um we really wanted to kind of create a culture of caring because we'd both worked at organizations over the years that we felt like that it was based on just kind of being an employee not really caring about us or really looking after us and so we really wanted to create something really unique from the standpoint of kind of how we take care of people and so our mantra is that we take care of our people we take care of our customers and then in, in turn it takes care of building their business it's really kind of a culture of caring and part of it this is really driven out of the fact that we wanted to create a better place for people to come to work but also as we take care of them we take care of our clients what does that look like so on a daily basis i tell everybody all day long <clears throat> that i don't run daycare i look for people that are highly talented that really care, have passion about who, what they really do, how they deliver the product. And we don't have any egos. Specifically is that, I don't know, from time to time you'll be watching, let's say there's a recent college football game where the someone would score a touchdown and you have the gentleman in the end zone that will make a lot of motion and act like he's never been there before. And so basically through a talent with ego is that we want people that have been there, that are successful, that don't have to tell you their ego, that don't have to tell you how great they are. Mm. And through that process is that then you feed and nurture them, and in that process you are able to really develop them as a talent and really help support the client. Can I add, and, and you answered several of our questions right. with one answer, but it, it makes me think about from a leadership standpoint, do I hear you saying that you, and this is a corporate problem, I know you guys are a local small business, I think in some large corporations, people are hired for their strengths, and then the corporation tries to fix their weaknesses. It doesn't sound like that's what you do in your in your in your culture. You lean into your employees' strengths and elaborate on them and let them flourish in those strengths. Correct. One of the things too, when the, we look at this as far as the heart, is that now we'll in, we intentionally have a program and development program for someone. But part of it is that as we do this, we look at someone's strengths and weaknesses, and obviously help maximize the strengths and minimize the weaknesses yeah but in the process is that we really try to look at hiring the right person that's a cultural fit for us mm. and then as we look at clients it, we have to make sure there's a match too because we're just kind of very real as far as how we approach things and so we have to have employees and customers that are real too in the way we do it and so there's a match as far as what's being on like i empower my employees to always say what they feel and think about driving someone's business and it's not a matter of who's taking credit. It's really getting the job done for the client. Wow. Um, just just off-the-cuff question for you is, uh, and I'm trying to think of the best way to, to phrase it, but I, I would imagine that you have a very low turnover rate we at do. Mighty 8. We do. People tend to tend – to, right, I, right. I would imagine with that culture, employees tend to stay and customers tend to stay. They do. And one of the things, too, we really helped out, and I would like to give kudos to all the staff that's been involved – um, from bottom top and we're very flat sideways and sideways is that we really help love on each other like we have a group dedicated to making sure we celebrate people's birthdays we celebrate anniversary we play gags we do memes 
and we really celebrate them as individuals. So we all, everyone has an opportunity to shine for two days per year. They're either their birthday or their anniversary. And oh, really wow. do it like that. And I provide like unlimited snacks, unlimited drinks, and just activities for us, you know, where somebody don't have to worry about what's going on. And so they feel cared and nurtured for, or we bring lunch in all the time. And so it's just that culture of caring that really helps us really develop and design a great product for our clients. You mean you're allowed to have fun? Yes, exactly. Yes, that's part of it. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, exactly. You mean (laughs) that's foreign? Well, you have, it's almost, you have such high performers that then you have to have the ability for them to kind of, you know, let go and breathe a little bit and then go back to focus again in that aspect of just kind of that, that energy, because the creative business is a hard business because you're really trying to think of new ways to really market a product. And so it, it requires a pretty heavy lift mentally sometimes. Yeah. And it comes through in the end product. Your customers see that. Um, uh, in, in closing, if hindsight's twenty twenty, if you could go back in time, what piece of advice would you tell yourself when you started out? <laughs> Nothing is catastrophic. Uh, we, every day, <laughs> if, some, is good. if something happens, I'm like, my business partner, I'm like, nobody died. So how do we solve it? Yeah. And also in the situation, and this is something that I learned a long time ago when I first got in the business, is that we had an issue with a printer. And I was like, okay, like it was our mistake. And I was like, I can't, you know, a lot of people would be less blaming on the vendor for a delay and whatever. I'm like, no, I can't do that. We got to eat the cost and I just got to make sure we tell, communicate what happened. And so I basically went to the customer and said, hey, we messed up. It's going to be delayed. It's our error. It's not the printer. It's, we messed up. And you learn if you're honest with those situations when you mess up and the, you have the ability to be authentic like that. It changes the game as far as how you do things and what you do. Uh, that sounds like a culture that um, potential employees and clients in our community should be proud of, and we are, um, as evidenced by your winning the Culture Creator Award. Um, any closing comments as we wrap up this part of the podcast? I think one of the things I'd like to thank everyone here for the chamber as far as like the create, to me, a culture of leadership, a culture of the way things are done, because that allowed me to start my business here in Gwinnett. And also the way that we run organizations, the way that we care about the community, where we care about each other, it really helps kind of bridge the gap between my business, my employees, and the community because it's all really about caring for our citizens in Gwinnett. And that, to me, is really how we all thrive. Yeah, you know, if I could, uh, just just a, a small uh, you know, editorial comment there is, it's amazing how big Gwinnett is from a population standpoint, but how close-knit. Yes. You know, uh, at, at Regions Bank, we're sort of, you know sort of the new guys on the block who've been around but we're trying to make some investments in the community and everybody's been so welcoming and and to be part of this business community i identify you know with what you shared and and i agree and i think that gwinnett is a very special place because of that culture that community and and folks like you and mighty eight so thank you for being here today. thank you appreciate it very Uh, much my pleasure thank you for the conversation and um and next is our friend Anthony Chin, Lighthouse Financial Network. Um, Anthony won the Emerging Entrepreneur Award. But let me say that I've gotten to know Anthony through the Digital Dialogue on Thursday mornings, which is a chamber program, and um, have enjoyed his company. We've seen each other out a couple times. So, uh, so Anthony, tell us about your business. Hey, thank you uh, for having me on the show. Uh, yeah, uh, business, uh, I know I'm uh, with the financial world, uh, kind of the stereotype is, oh, you guys are all just uh, investments in retirement. Uh, I like, we like to call it the 
lifestyle management rather than just quote unquote wealth management. And when I talk about lifestyle management, well, what is that? Well, at the end of the day, what is the value of that dollar and that money? At the end of the day, it's really just a tool to accomplish the things that are important to us, whether that's growing the community, giving back to the community, or protecting our families or our family businesses. So at the end of the day, it's yes, it's important to have investments and have insurance, but at the, it's more important to have a purpose behind that almighty dollar. And that is really giving back and finding the purpose and the value of what it means uh, to have that money. Yeah, do you do, do you find that your conversations are different now than they were even three years ago? Definitely, uh, especially with well addressing the, the, the elephant in a room with our experience in, in 2020, a lot of people kind of step back and ask themselves the question, I'm killing myself working 70, 80 hours a week this is really worth it. I'm giving up so much. Maybe I should kind of step back and ask the questions of, is the dollar worth as much as the experiences and the memories that I'm kind of giving up Mm, for my family? So when I talk about retirement, it's not just, oh, I'm done with a nine to five. The question is, what is your next best chapter in life? Is it throwing yourself into a nonprofit that you've always been passionate about, but just Mm. never really had that additional time because all that time is sucked up with corporate or maybe there's that passion project of another business you've always wanted to step into but because of whether it's the mortgage you got to put the kids to school you kind of feel handcuffed you don't want to take that risk well my conversation with them is well take that risk make that jump give step out of the box don't have to go with a traditional approach of oh i'm done with a nine to five i'll take my pension and and just kind of sit at home and eat bonbons that that's not a way of a a lifestyle i would like to envision myself having and sometimes i can get a little too preachy but when i share that new perspective clients go oh there is another alternative i didn't know that Mm -hmm. so that's kind of i've seen in in our world we've seen a lot of companies uh sell i mean there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions going on in the the let's just call it the small business business and middle market commercial area mm-hmm. now i'm talking about you know companies up to 200 million dollars in revenues and below um creating a, a lot of wealth events um i would imagine that those conversations are are occurring a lot in your world as it relates to uh the next chapter and we see that people are not just heading home to eat bonbons they're trying to make a difference somewhere else beyond where they were making a difference in you know a, a group of employees or something like that so mm-hmm. i bet that's very satisfying for you oh it's very rewarding uh, i mean it's being just a, a small piece of a, to a puzzle to make sure that they get to live the lifestyle and a dream that they want i mean at the end of the day if someone were to ask me well what is your philosophy towards finance it's helping the client being able to live life without regrets Amen. Because they can't take it with them. Can't take it with you. That's <laughs> right. Now, now, Anthony, uh, your organization won the Emerging Entrepreneur Award. What did that mean to you when they called your name? Uh, a shock and an honor. Uh, since we're kind of on the subject uh, of talking about culture, I'm really the way I see that is really I'm just an extension uh, of the culture at, at our firm. A very quick uh, tip uh, as an example, what I mean by that is. I've been with this firm, and, and then uh, shout out to my our managing director at Ethan Ethan Varillas. Uh, on the day of kind of the merger, at the board meeting room, he started the meeting with this. He said, "Just so all of you know, you're not employees. You're all your own business owners. I'm not your manager. I'm your employee. 
I'm here to promote your business. Mm. So if you're looking for a manager, you're in the wrong place. Oh, wow. So he opened up the meeting with something like that. So in terms of having that culture of ingrained entrepreneurship, working your business, giving whatever you can to the community and giving back, that permeates with all the advisors at the firm and really the, in terms of being honored to win the Emerging Entrepreneur Award, it's really just an extension of our culture here. Oh, very good. Um, let me ask you this. Who's been in influential along your business journey? You just mentioned him. I want to imagine he's very yep. influential. But but who else has influenced your, your business journey? Uh, so many. The list can run on like a toilet paper roll that just keeps going on going when, you, <laughs> when the cat or the dog <laughs> takes it and, and runs off with it. Uh, but the first two people that really comes to mind would be uh, Daryl and the Roll family and, and Bernard. Bernard, because he... Uh, prior to this, pe- people seeing me out in the networking wor- world, uh, people think I'm an extrovert. Uh, that could not be worlds apart. <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> to, to put things in perspective of how much of an introvert uh, I was, if it was not for Bernard's divine intervention in seeing this kid in the middle of a networking function, sitting alone at a table with a book, I would not be where I'm at <laughs> today. And then Daryl, you know, kudos to him in terms of really intervening and teaching me almost their, their everything there is to know about business and financial planning and, and really getting out there and understanding human psychology because I came into the field straight out of college, naive, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, thinking, oh, everybody made logical, rational decisions. And I think we could probably all chuckle on, on that and on our yep. decision-making process. No, it's emotional. And it took him a lot of patience with me mm. to beat that into my head two years later. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I spent some time at a at a at an investment firm years ago when I started in my financial services journey, and um, I, I really admire what you do. Um, and you know, I think more than anything that I've seen you do well because I've gotten to know you is just build relationship. Um, you know, introvert extrovert notwithstanding, you know, really it's it's an old adage that everybody's heard. No one cares what you know until they know that you care. And and I get that sense about you and appreciate that about you. And obviously, you've had great people uh, influence you and get you to that point and just continue to wish you well. Same question for you that I had for Jonathan. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. If you could go back in time, what piece of advice piece of advice would you tell yourself when you started out? Listen to your mentors. Don't be afraid to be the person to admit that you don't know much Mm. because I coming in again straight out of college I thought I knew everything Mm -hmm. until maybe about one month in I figured out pretty quickly I knew absolutely nothing you you know I think that that's a refreshing thing for you to say I wonder how many how many um, young entrepreneurs will say that because so many jump in thinking they have all the answers Uh, I have a saying that I share with uh, I lead I I lead young men in, in studies and invest in my own boys and we have a saying at our house that says show me your friends and i'll show you your future and i think that applies to us as adults in our mentor relationships as well um forbes or different um leadership uh, books will tell you that you are a combination of your five closest friends and um and when you surround yourself with great mentors and you're and you're open to them and the investment that they make in your life then you do things like win the uh, the Emerging Entrepreneur Award, mm-hmm. and uh, we're very proud of you for that. Congratulations. Any closing comments from you on, on your award? Uh, thank you. Yeah, sure. Uh, another lesson would be be engaged, uh, whether in the local chamber or the church or any community, because uh, to be a little bit more positive with kind of 
weed out all the negativity outside in the media, be the change that you want to see and be mm-hmm. and take control of it. So whether that. it be, John, taking control of building and cementing that culture and that ownership and accountability, we can start with ourselves, and that's it. Yeah, be the change that you want to see. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. Boy, we could talk about that for a long time. And, and it really hits my heart in a special way today. So thank you for saying that. I needed to hear that from you today. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. All right, to my right, and I'm – are you sure I said it correctly? Cornoa. Cornoa. Everybody says Corona, and those are the beer-drinking people. <laughs> or 2020. <laughs> True. I forgot about that. <laughs> Maureen Mo Cornoa. Yes. Um, with Home of Hope at Gwinnett Children's Shelter is our Community Contributor Award winner. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So happy to have you with us today. Tell us about Home of Hope at Gwinnett Children's Center. Sure. Um, Home of Hope at Gwinnett Children's Shelter is a transitional living facility for homeless children from birth to 17 along with their young moms. This program was developed, I'm beginning my eighth year, and it was designed to address the homeless issue in Gwinnett County and the metro Atlanta area. Um, And the basic idea is keep the family unit together Mm -hmm. and teach mom to fish. When we do that, take mom from homeless to hopeful and ultimately into a home of her own, it's a win-win for everyone. Wow. It sure is. And I know other organizations like that. And I just had lunch uh, with, with, with a business that, um, that helps provide second-tier housing. If they get out of your program, then this company um, can provide how it, it, I'll have to connect you afterwards. Um, what a wonderful uh, vision and service that you provide. I'm just, you know, I just got to say for a minute, the folks at this table are amazing. And the folks that we have leading entities in, in Gwinnett are just, it, it's, we're blessed to be around here. Um, so Home of Hope at Gwinnett Children's Center won the Community Contributor Award, um, which is uh a recognition that pays tribute to an organization that although small makes a big difference in the lives of others thinking about winning that award what does that what does that mean to you well first and foremost what that means is that our community since we built this organization sees us by Mm. a jury of our peers they see us and see the impact and the work that we're doing The second thing I would say on that point is that, um, you know, everybody wants to measure growth and development on numbers, number of of employees, uh, how your budget's growing. My budget successfully would stay the same and we have a greater impact on more people. How do you measure the impact on the life of a child who's been sleeping in the car with their mom? How do you measure the impact when you have him staying with you for a year and he no longer has to worry about being picked on at the lunch table at school because he's wearing the same shirt three days in a row that week because everything they own is in a trash bag in the trunk of their car. How do you measure that smile on a child's face when he gets off the bus at our front gate and runs up and shows you his report card or what he made that week Mm. because he has the stability of a home-like environment with 12 people who come to work every week whose sole purpose is to see his family stay together and see them succeed. So while we hold mom on a high accountability program designed to get her to independence, 
our children have one job to do, and that one job is to be free to be children. Mm. Mm. Wow. How do you measure that impact? You That's know, another conversation that it, should involve wine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll certainly uh, let y'all have the wine, but I'd love okay. to have the conversation because we are living in a world where where success is measured by well a publicly traded company a quarter over quarter performance and if and if a company doesn't grow by some projection projected amount in that quarter then they fall out of favor with wall street their price goes down and then everybody's you know mad they didn't meet their projections that doesn't apply in your world i mean there's the measure i mean how do you measure smiles per day um laughter per hour uh, mm-hmm. those are the things that seem important to to an organization like yours true and a very close mentor to me um, when we started this program um, told me many years ago that I was thinking with my heart not my head and I had to treat this nonprofit like any other business it's a business nonprofits are business mm-hmm. But um, again, leading with my heart, if I didn't know the heart of the child or the moms we serve, I couldn't go out and be the face in the name of Home of Hope and uh, build what we have built myself and the team around me. Mm. I'm nothing without the team around me, amen. but um, amen. Um, but uh, I, I needed to um, put the hearts and the minds of the children and the people we serve first, and everything we do there propels me to go out and develop the business end as well. Can I ask you, because I've, I've not been there, and I, mm-hmm. I certainly hope to come soon now, do you have multiple residences on the campus? Can you describe the campus for sure. us? So we're located off uh, I-85 and Hamilton Mill Road off Tuggle Road. Oh, we yeah. have 40 acres uh, behind beautiful iron gates, and we our main building is 23,000 square feet okay. and can house 11 families. I also have two individual houses on the campus that are about 6,000 square feet each that hold five families each. We have a mile and a quarter of walking trails, six lighted basketball courts, a baseball diamond. Uh, it's just a beautiful, serene, l- loving, great place to be. We have a full commercial kitchen, cafeteria, resource center, game rooms. Uh, again, a place where a family, ki- it's a respite for wow. someone who's been struggling. And we take them in. Mm-hmm. We don't take a penny from our guests. But we do hold mom on a high accountability program customized to her needs Uh that's designed to take her from homeless to feeling more hopeful and ultimately into a home that we know she can maintain, sustain, and afford for having been through our program. Wow. You know, I'm I'm by there a lot. I mean, um, know exactly where you're talking about. Didn't even know that I've driven by that hundreds of times. Um, It sounds like a just a wonderful place it's amazing the impact that you're having um what inspired you i think this is an easy question but what inspired you to do this work at home of hope well those are god-ordered steps mm. is the short answer to that mm. this was not my background Nonprofit management was never my background at all <laughs> i started volunteering when my kids were younger and uh uh, ended up running the food pantry in Gwinnett and growing programs and doing things there. And uh, the program we built over there got a lot of recognition many years ago. And uh, our good friend, Brand Morgan, came mm-hmm. and sought me out and brought me over to tour 
uh, what was the Gwinnett Children's Shelter, and yep. they needed to close and go in another direction. I had an idea. They kind of picked my brain. He said, we know who you are. We like your idea. We want you to bring it to this campus. At which point I put up both hands and said, oh, no, not me. It would be too big. I wouldn't know how. And he said to me, I think it sounds like you need to go home and pray about it. And let me know tomorrow if you want to meet the rest of the board. And then here we are eight years later. I knew God had called me in that moment, cried all the way back to my office because I knew it was something so big and terrifying. I truly didn't know how I was going to do it. Without him, I, you couldn't accomplish it. Oh, the without Lord, him, I, yeah. yes, I right. couldn't. I could not. Wow. And so I knew, driving back to my office after that meeting, that I had just been called to take on something so big and so frightening. And truthfully, I didn't feel qualified. I didn't know how I was going to do it. The vision was clear. Mm -hmm. The journey was unknown. Yeah. And so I knew going back that I couldn't say no, and it terrified me. Yeah. And there's an old saying <laughs> that if your dreams don't scare you even just a little bit, you're not dreaming big enough. Amen to that. And so three weeks later, I accepted, and um, my first speaking engagement two months in, I stood in front of 150 people at a very large meeting we all know sitting at this table. and. I, it was difficult because there were people in the room who didn't believe that the children's shelter should be closing. We should go in another direction. And um, I will tell you, I had sweat running down the back of my suit. <laughs> and I stood there and took the lickings. And here we are uh, eight years later winning awards and changing lives. And as difficult as those times were, mm -hmm. I always knew at night I, I didn't sleep a whole lot. Um, I would just be laying there like, Lord, you didn't bring me to this mission for for no reason yeah. tell me what i'm supposed to do and i would just tears coming down the side of my face two o'clock in the morning wow. three o'clock in the morning and all i would get was just teach him to fish wow which was to me stay focused on the mission the rest will come yeah yeah teaching them to fish um what an what what a s amazingly simple concept i before i ask you the hindsight 2020 question um are, are you are you at liberty to share one of your favorite success stories from home of hope oh my gosh i mean i know there's i have several many of them just just one that's on your heart today that you would share with our listeners um i have some about the moms but i'd rather tell you one about one of our kids lay it on us so uh i did principal for a day in gwinnett county many times and i had the opportunity to go to ivy creek elementary which is where our school our kids go in the mill creek cluster and in the afternoon session we had fourth and fifth graders sitting in the library and i was to talk about what it means to be an executive director and um i uh asked the kids when i started now mind you one of our little boys who I don't have a favorite, but he was one of my favorites, <laughs> sitting in front, and I winked at him. I let him know I see him, but I, you know, let him lead the, if he wants to acknowledge me or not. So I saw him, and he said, um, I winked at him. I asked everybody in the audience, who can tell me what a children's shelter is and what it looks like? And so I took about eight little hands, and all these kids were saying, um, they all had seen Little Orphan Annie. 
So they knew Miss Hannigan. <laughs> you had to Hannigan. do chores. You were, it was a terrible, horrible place, all these things. And they all so, thought you were Miss Hannigan? I, I don't know what they thought, but I said, well, let me tell you about where we are. <laughs> and I described coming through the gates, the basketball courts, the game rooms, and the things we do and how we do holidays. And as I'm telling them, there's a little roar going through the fourth and fifth graders, and I'm hearing, oh, that's so cool. I want to go there. Well, I look to the young man in the front row sitting there, elbowing his buddy and he said that's my house i live there okay the listeners can't see the tears in everyone's eyes around this table i will never mm. ever ever forget that mm. an eight-year-old little boy mm. proud as could be that's my house i live there that's amazing yeah that is wonderful I've told that how many times? And look at me. Yeah, look I can't at you. help it. And here comes your tissues. Yeah, right on. Thank right you. on. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you. What a wonderful story. Yeah. Um. What's What's the little guy doing now? Um, Do you know? Yes, actually, they came out to see us uh, this past spring, and so that was four years ago, and he was eight. So he's a young man now, and he's being a he's being a kid. He's great. His mom's great. They're living independently, and. Mm-hmm. What a one! Thank you. You mm-hmm. weren't prepared to share that, but I'm glad that you did. Thank you for letting I us did. ask you that. Yeah, I, I can, can see going. it. Yeah. Can you guys see it? I can. I mean, because you know, think about ah, uh, we got to go to this, you know, thing in the gym, and some yeah. lady's gonna be <laughs> speaking, and then this guy's <laughs> this little guy's the star of the show. Hey, that's my house. I got these basketball goals, these playgrounds. That's where I live. He chose to share it quietly with his buddies sitting on the floor. And so that meant everything to me. Yeah. And if I can, there's one more. So last Christmas, all right, no, the Christmas before, um, my director of operations was in my office. These um, three or four little girls in Ivy Creek Elementary get off the bus and they come in. And uh, she went down the hall to talk to them. And I heard all this like chitter chatter, first week of Christmas. And um, she came back down the hall, and she said, you're not going to believe this. And the girls had just learned that day about homeless people in Gwinnett County. Wait a second now. And they learned that there were people who needed food. They had nowhere to sleep. They needed socks. They needed toothbrushes. They had no knowledge that they lived in a shelter, and their class was collecting supplies so they could take to the homeless and Renita said, I heard her say, okay, Miss Angie, I'll get you bags. You guys can go collect stuff and take it to school. She came back. She said not one of those kids had any idea that Home of Hope, where they lived, was any type of shelter. Oh. And I stood there with my hands on my chest like, oh, my gosh. We have to type this up and send it to the entire team. Job well done, crew, because our oh. job is to wrap ourselves around these children and let them f- be free to be children while mom gets her button gear and gets back on her feet mm. and job well done there's nothing to say but thank you to the team around me for making those girls feel safe and loved and that's why and the we psychology do what we do. of that was you know very rewarding for them they i mean they oh wow what a great story yeah it's a great story <laughs> two great stories thank you for sharing those thank you that's awesome i think that whoever listens to this whoever gets this you know you need to I guess, of course, coordinate it, but we need to uh, certainly get out and see more of Home of Hope. I got to ask you though, hindsight's twenty twenty. If you could go back in time, what piece of advice would you tell yourself when you started out? Get some sleep. Quit crying. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> 
simple and succinct. Um, any, <laughs> thank you, Mike. Any final comments about your award or about the chamber? Well, the chamber has been instrumental in catapulting Home of Hope Equinet Children's Shelter in our community, and they truly come alongside um, our businesses and our nonprofits. And we're super grateful for all the support uh, Gwinnett uh, Chamber of Commerce shows us. Yeah, our chamber is really special. I'm thinking about what we have at this table. We have we have an entity that makes corporations better. We have a gentleman that makes individual and families better. And then we have another individual that that improves lives and makes things better for a lot of different people in different areas but in 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 our own way we're making our community better in the area that we've been chosen to be called to or our area of expertise i am blessed to have been with each of you today thank you for joining us for the podcast this has been gwinnett chambers online radio show and podcast the voice of business featuring small businesses you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on The Voice of Business. The show is also available on Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss miss any of our future shows. Until next time, I'm J.D. Mueller, and you've been listening to The Voice of Business, presented by Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce on Business Radio X. (laughs) 